Welcome everybody to Zeta Global Radio. I am Lainey Savante Wilkin, your host today, and thank you so much for tuning in. I feel like we are getting back on track and feeling, I know myself, more empowered. We've got through Irma, and all of us are still going through things throughout the world, whether it's earthquakes or devastating natural disasters or anything in our life, really, that is causing us to take a pause in... Uh, sometimes it makes us feel that we've lost our way and we've lost the power to stand up and come back to center. So I couldn't think of a better show and a better guest than to have today somebody who's going to help us do that, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in business, any aspect to where you need to step into power and remind yourself that you are a leader. And here to talk about it more is Dr. Gail Hayes, who is an incredible, renowned thought leader, executive leadership coach. She's the CEO of Handle Your Business Girl Empowerment Zone. She has so much to say. She's worked on Capitol Hill. She's lived in multiple countries. She's a best-selling author of several powerful books. We're going to talk about everything today and how to step back into your power and if you've never felt like you've had the power today you're going to get it welcome to the show dr gail hayes well thank you laney thank you for having me as your guest i am excited about sharing um with your audience and with you i'm so glad to connect with you uh, i'm thrilled i uh, i just you know your picture even exudes power like it's like I'd like to know more about her and what she has to say. So this is actually an opportune time. So I thought what we would do is just give everybody, I mean, I gave not even an iota of who you are, but even your books and their titles say it all. So why don't we just kind of give them in this segment just an overview of who you are, what you've done, as much as you can just to share um, where you've come from and what of you know where you are to today and then we'll just jump into some of the uh, wonderful topics we have to share with our audience okay well thank you for this opportunity I am the firstborn uh, of seven children born into a military family I was born in Durham North Carolina one of the first black babies born at Duke University Hospital it wasn't Duke University it was just Duke Hospital I, when I was five years old I was taken out of the heart of the african-american community and my father moved us to Asia to a little island called Okinawa. So I went to elementary school, the first through the fourth grade in Asia, and my mom tells me I spoke fluent Japanese, and I probably did because I thought, listen, let me tell you what's so funny. I thought everybody grew up the way I did. You know how you just, you, you know, you can get encapsulated in your world and you think. Totally, yeah. And so as a child, I did not realize that what was happening to me was unusual. We had a maid. We had a gardener. I had a, um, a seamstress who would come and measure me and make my clothes. And so you can imagine, uh, I just kind of grew up with this little attitude of a little entitlement. Um, I did not know, I didn't even know I was black. That's the funny part. My grandmother used to hold my face every day and tell me, um, up until the time that I was um, almost six before we left to go to Asia, she would hold my face every day and bless me. And she would say, you're the prettiest, smartest girl in the world, and nothing can ever change that. So I was walking around with that in me, thinking that everybody else could see it. And I remember even walking the halls of Duke back in the day and going in everybody's office and speaking to them, and they didn't think that was unusual for me. I was kind of precocious. So I went to Asia and lived over there, and I will never forget my experience, my first experience 
of knowing that I was different was when I was seven years old. My mother told me when I was six that she was going to buy me, you know, the, the Crayola crayons, the one with the 64 colors? Mm-hmm. I begged my mother to get me a box of those crayons. She said, when you, get to, when you go to the second grade and you're seven, I'm going to get you a box. The first thing I did was find my skin color. I don't know why, but I just wanted to find my skin color. So I went to school, and there was this, this little boy who used to sit in front of me and turn around and look at my face every day. I just figured he knew what my grandmother said. I was pretty and smart. So he wouldn't turn around. The teacher was constantly telling him, turn around and do your work. So I finally figured I needed to take it to a new level. I asked him to be my boyfriend. Well, he shook his head no, and I thought maybe he didn't hear me, so I repeated my request. And I'll never forget, he was the prettiest little blue-eyed, blonde-haired boy I'd ever seen in my life. And so I thought he must have thought knew I was pretty and smart because he wouldn't turn around to his work. He was always looking at my pretty face, right? So I said, you need to be my boyfriend. He says, no. I said, well, why not? I'll never forget he changed my life with one finger. He rubbed the back of my left hand, and I thought, well, there's nothing on my hand. What's wrong with him? He, uh, then he finally said the words. He said, you're black. Well, see, Lainey, I was ready for him because I knew my colors. I said, I am not black. I am Sienna. See, I found my color in the box of crayons, you see. So he looked at me really strange, and I said, I'm not black. I'm Sienna. And he says, you're black. I said, no, I'm not. And we had this little argument. I said, okay, if I am black, what color are you? And he said, well, I'm white. Well, I said, no, you are not. And I pulled the crayon out. I said, you are salmon pink. I will never forget it. And he got so upset with me, I thought, well, what's wrong with him? I said, he doesn't deserve to be my boyfriend anyway because he does not know his colors. So I went on this whole thing, this whole, uh, you know, journey and from that point on trying to figure out what, what is it that everybody knows about me that I don't know? I ran home, told my mother what happened, and my mother said, yeah, that's what people call us. They call us black. They call us colored. They call us Negro. I'll never forget my response to her. I said, Mom, who is they? Because they need a box of crayons because they don't know their colors. And that's, my, that's like the foundation of my life. I'm like calling things out and saying, huh, wait a minute, why are we fighting? Why are we doing this over, over silliness? As a child, I knew that then that everybody knew something about me that I didn't know about myself. So I went on a journey for identity. And that has been my lifelong journey is identity. Well, it feels, though, also that not only is identity, but, you know, at least for my platform and I hear it in you, is about oneness. Like, it doesn't matter who we are, what color we are. We're all, you know, we're all one. We're all connected. I mean, that for me is my journey is to share that it doesn't matter if you're salmon pink or if you're, uh, you know, Sienna. In fact, I'll tell you, I was at a, um, I have a Weimaraner, and years ago I was at a Weimaraner festival, and somebody came running over to me and says, is your Weimaraner Champagne Brown or Tawdry Taupe? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is my beloved dog. It doesn't matter what she's identified as. Is like she's my beloved, right? So it's just like some people put these identifiers on. But, you know, here I think people like us are trying to remove identifiers but also claim who we are as well. I mean, that's part of being in our power. Exactly. And so I, you know, I went through this whole thing and I, I remember thinking, um, okay, I'm different, but I'm not. 
I mean, I was, and I was always the one. What's happened is fast forward. Uh, my background is very diverse, as you know. I, I ended up living in Europe for um, close to 12 years of my life, and I was the first African-American female law enforcement officer and firefighter in a little place called Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I was given a dare that I couldn't do it. And when I got introduced to the chief of police, he turned his back on me and looked at me like I was nothing. And so he was trying to get recruit this young man, this friend of mine who was, I was standing with, well, we went together, we went through the process, and I got hired and he didn't. And what yeah. I didn't know at the time is when I got hired, they were under federal mandate to hire minorities, and I was the first double minority. And I ended up staying there for almost six years, and the guys that I worked with asked me to please leave. And the reason they said that was not because they didn't think I didn't belong there. Many of them wept as they were talking to me, telling how I'd saved their lives because of my gift of communication. Uh, and they okay. just said, you're just too good for this place. You need to be teaching people what you know. And this was over 30 years ago. They said, you should be standing on the world's platform teaching people how to get along, Gail, because I was able to bridge the gap between male and female in a very unique way when I was at the police department um, just because of my, my background and understanding diversity and saying, okay, and my father taught me how to communicate with men. He told me what their biggest need was. I mean, you know, I just kind of watched my dad, and I was born on my father's 22nd birthday, so we shared a birthday. He wanted a son when he had me. What line are you in, like, out of the seven? I'm the firstborn. I'm the firstborn. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I was born on my father's 22nd birthday, and he wanted a son. And what the, the funny part about it is my father wanted sons. He had five daughters straight in a row. The last two are boys. Yeah, and it was it was just funny because my mother kept having babies until she gave him a son, and then she had another one at the at the end. So there's seven, and there's more years between me and my baby brother than it is between me and my mom. So, <laughs> so I helped my mom with all my siblings, which is one of the reasons I never really wanted to have children. But that was not to be the case. I had my first child at 41, and my second child at 43. After I was told I couldn't have children, anyway. That's part of my story. <laughs> well, I'm curious to know from the time that they said to you, you need to be out on a bigger stage, at what point from there, just to bring it forward, did you write your first book? Okay, let me see. The first, I left there and it was nine years before I wrote a book uh, because what I had to do was prepare myself. Coming out of law enforcement was no joke. It was, I had to transition back into the world of women. And that was, for me, very challenging because I operated in a world with men and understood them and understood how they communicate. And women talk, believe it or not, women talk too much to me. And they didn't get stuff. Men were like black and white uh, meat and potatoes. Women were like yeah. the, the spices. You had to, oh, no, I don't want this. And I'm thinking, make up your mind. I mean, I didn't realize after being with men, and they were just so straightforward, and you knew what they wanted and what they didn't want and how women did all these other little things. They never said what they meant. You would step into traps. Um, you, you thought you were dealing straightforward with them, and they really weren't. They were behind the back. There was a lot of uh, throwing daggers. I really had a very difficult time transitioning back into the world of women. And because I was so straightforward, they didn't like it because I would call them out. And I would say, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Because I saw how brilliant, how smart they really were. We really were. We really are. But they couldn't see it. And so I had been over there with men, so I knew who they were. But then when I came into the world of women, honey, they tried to kill me, including my sisters. 
So I have four younger sisters, and so I had to just pull myself back, and that's when I realized I need to write about this stuff. And big, the biggest issue I saw with women was identity. They didn't know who they were. So I wrote a book called Daughters of the King, and it's a book on, on image. I was an image. I did image when I was in, um, in Europe. I did a lot of image consulting and worked in my background is fashion. You know, Dr. Gale, I'm going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, let's talk about the book, and then let's get into some of these ways that you have learned to bring us back into leadership, stepping back into our power, and apply it. Let's just start off maybe, and in, in, you could you choose. We'll start off either personal, we'll start off a business, but either way, we're going to take a quick a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the radio and symbols of ancient Mexico. These sacred images open up the door to a profoundly magnificent culture that reveres the connection with the earth, celebrates the small and grand cycles, and infuses ritual and attention to the sacred in daily life. Created by Veronica Iglesias and Anne Key, illustrated by New Mexico artist Ramona Snow Teo, they have captured the essence of Mesoamerican mythology for each god, goddess, and archetypal symbol. Please help bring the sacred project to life by visiting their Kickstarter campaign today. It ends October 9th, so please consider a pledge today. Hi everyone, Lainey Savante Walken here, and I wanted to share with you a little bit about a female networking group that I've been involved with for many years now. And if you've been looking to connect with other fellow women owners and executives, both locally in your city or across the country, please consider Fem City. It is an incredible network founded by Violet Day Ayala. They have over 100,000 women with chapters in most major cities nationwide in Canada. Fem City focuses on growing all of our businesses. It's an incredible, vast network for and by members who are experts in health and wellness, spiritual, cultural and lifestyle, financial, corporate fields, media, so much more. Business for your soul is the tagline. It's just incredible. I love it. I know you'll love it. I'm a global lifetime member. I hope you check it out. Visit them today at femcity.com and learn how you can become part of an organization that continues to soar and expand so you can too. Hi, this is Dr. Judith Orloff, and you're listening to Zeta Global Radio. Welcome back to the show today. This is Lainey Savante Wilkin here with Dr. Gail Hayes. She is touching base with us, not only about her personal life and gleaming. I mean, don't you think, Gail, that so often everything that we are does come from our own personal experience? I mean, that is who what makes us. And some of us have been given bigger lessons than others, there's no doubt. But where we first left off, or ended actually, we were starting to talk about your book, so let's just talk about that book for a minute, and then maybe we can get into maybe some more uh, tips and ways to see how we can come out of disempowering situations back into power. Okay. Uh, I wrote this book called it was Daughters of the King because what I was, I felt so hurt and disenfranchised. I ran to the church to get my healing, and when I mm-hmm. got in there, I found that it was for me, it was worse than outside the walls of the church because the sexism in the church was so bad. I saw women just, you know, I got to serve, I got to serve, and they were bent over, and it's almost like I could see them bleeding. And I was like, this is certainly, there's a God 
he certainly didn't mean for us to bend over and just serve men. I mean, it was like unquestionable authority. They just, whatever they said, there was no question, even if it was wrong. And, of course, since I'd worked in the world of men, I saw things very differently, you see. So most of the women thought I was crazy and I was out of order, and most of the men wanted to shut me up. So I, I, I said, these women don't know who they are. And I remember having this conversation with God. You need to tell these women who they are. They need to know. And it was almost like I heard an audible voice say, look in the mirror. That's who's going to help them. And I thought, me? I don't have anything to say. And it, it started out, it kind of fell on me. I knew that I was going to write a book, at least a book. And I remember um, sitting down, what I called it the Burger King ministry. When I was in Germany, Burger King was a fast food restaurant on the military base. And I would go there every morning. I start watching women. And women would just come and sit in front of me and tell me their problems. And I had solutions. And I realized these are different women looking different, and each one of them may have the same situation, but I was able to articulate it in a way that they got it. And I ended up writing this book, God of the King, and in it is a little instrument called the Image Indicator. If you get more A's, B's, C's, D's, E's, or F's, it tells you your image type. And when you read the book, it doesn't talk about your uh, physical appearance. It talks about the internal woman, then the, then the external woman, then it stands the, the woman who the reader in a mirror and she sees a woman from the Bible who's in her image type. So it was basically, and that book, by the way, has been published by three publishers. It, is, it's a, it became a classic. Uh, Warner Books called me. I, I, I published it and ended up on QVC with the book, believe it or not. Um, then Warner Books uh, got it. Now it's with a publisher called Harvest House, so it's with the third publisher because they considered it a classic, and it's basically talking to women about who they are and their identity. And it's being rewritten now for the general market as we speak. So that's my passion is identity, purpose, destiny. If you don't know who you are, you will never know what belongs to you. And so I want women to know and men to know who they are so they'll know what belongs to them, so they won't step on anybody else's toes. But once you know who you are, you don't want what belongs to somebody else. Well, that's power in itself for sure, because I think that these days with technology and having so much influx, people aren't as powerful within because they keep sourcing without. And do you find that with your clients that you coach, that that is sort of a main theme? Because we're so overwrought being raised around technology and an overemphasis on things that aren't really getting to the core of who we truly are. We need to find that inner core so we can make discernments better, I think, than what's out there. How does that sit with you, or is that a lot what your clients go through? Absolutely. They're, they're, they're having, um, they face challenges really finding authenticity. Because there's so much information passing in front of them. They keep saying, oh, maybe I should do this. Oh, no, I need to do that. Oh, I need to do this. And I'm thinking, stop, breathe. And I said, here's the thing. Um, comparison leads to competition, which leads to corruption. Comparison leads to competition, which leads to corruption. When you compare yourself with another person or entity, you begin to compete with them. And when you compete with them, there can never be a pure relationship. I find this with women all the time. Um, when they see another woman, they compare themselves with her. And when you do that, you immediately start looking for the negative. And you start competing with her. Oh, my legs are prettier than hers. Oh, my hair is better than hers. And then when you see her, there's a corruption because there can never be a pure exchange. So you do not ever reach authenticity when you get into what I call the toxic seas. Comparison leads to competition, which leads to corruption. Well, how do we destroy that? How do we, how do we eradicate the toxic seas? Simple. Identity, purpose, destiny. 
If you know who you are, you have no, no reason to compare yourself with another person. And if you're, you're not comparing yourself and you know who you are, purpose automatically finds you, and purpose destroys competition. And then once you understand purpose, you slide right into your destination, which is destiny. Destiny destroys corruption, and that's how I look at it. I, I love that. How do people, just for as an instance, and I know this comes up a lot, for the chameleons out there who are so popular, they're so popular because they, they could be anything to anybody at all times in any group, but are those the ones out there who are truly needing to establish their identity because there's, they, they, they seem popular, they have a lot of friends, but it's because they're all things to everybody, but does that are they missing out on getting the clear path of who they are, not with what boyfriend's doing this, so now they're, you know, now they're dressing like a rocker because they're in a, you know, dating somebody in a band, and then next time they're, you know, a librarian because somebody is an astute engineer, you know, like, it, it feels like a lot of people go with the flow, particularly when they get into relationships on a personal level, that it's it's going back, and that's where the power, I think, is given away. I just wondered if you could touch on that a little bit. Sure. And you, most of the time when you find people like that, they have a dark side. They have a, mm. a place. They're the ones that usually end up cutting themselves or abusing drugs, alcohol, because they cannot get in touch with their authentic selves. And they're so busy trying to be somebody else or trying to find something else, they're truly not happy. And if you get them by themselves, they'll break on you. I've met many people who seem to be the life of the party, who had it all, who appeared to have it all. And that's why you see so many um, celebrities or people in high places commit suicide. Yes. Because they, they don't have a relationship with self. And unless you be, get into a relationship, a real authentic relationship with self and accept yourself, um, you're going to try, you're going to burn yourself out trying to please everybody. It's just that simple. Um, I, I've seen people that say, well, gosh, she's so gorgeous. She's so this. What happened? She, and, you know, all of a sudden she's um, taken away and put into, you know, she's bipolar or she's, in, she's taking medication. Nothing's wrong with that. That's, but what I'm saying, she's getting treatment. But sometimes they fall off the, the edge because they run out of gas, they run out of steam because it's not original steam. It's not authentic steam. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense a lot. They fall it, off the edge. And eventually, if you watch them, I've watched them. It's just kind of like the Energizer Bunny. They, instead of them knowing what direction they're in, that drum is in the way and they fall off the edge of their world. And you're like, okay, they fall into to an abyss because they're not authentic. They don't. They feel that they're, who they really are is not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, handsome enough, um, strong enough, empowered enough. It's something always going to be something missing if you get with something like that. Uh, the one of the people that I like are the people who understand that they are not quote unquote perfect in the world's eyes, and they, and for them. Nothing miss. There's nothing missing. Nothing broken. They just say, "Well, look, this is who I am. This is how I show up," and they're learning what circles to be in, how to choose their friends, what they really want for their lives. So many people are in search of their true identity and what they're supposed to be doing. Um, that you know, it's almost like we. You know what, Lainey? I believe we instinctively kind of know. I know me. I know I've turned down some really what quote unquote appear to be great opportunities. But I knew they weren't for me. Something inside yeah. of me would go, oh, I have to work too hard. Oh, do I, I'm not ready for that. Uh, I don't know. Things are showing up for me now that are tailor-made for me because I speak to the universe in a very different way now than I did even a year ago. And I tell people, wouldn't you have to decide what you really want? 
and it's okay for you to want what you want. And I think I was sharing with you earlier, I have this little mantra that is, I need what I need, and I want what I want, and that's okay. Yeah, well, I think I think from what I'm hearing is that you've learned to not judge yourself. I think people go into such judgment, and that judgment is just an absolute killer. And I don't know if you can um, speak to the, uh, our audience about what can even be a practical step, even for someone who is just feeling like they know they're not being authentic or they know they haven't truly honed in on their purpose. Like, are there even some simple steps that we can begin? Is it writing? Is it, I mean, what are the steps someone can take to truly stop the chaos, the clutter out there, and come back to getting super clear? Because you're right, that's where the power is is once you get your identity in check. Yes. Let me, I have, I'm working with a client right now on a book, and it's really interesting. We are going through this thing about, um, about balls, you know, like cotton balls, baseballs. Anyway, make a long story short, we discovered the cotton ball technique, the cotton ball syndrome. And basically what it is is that um, I, 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 I'll give you my example. When I was a little girl, I used to remember everything. I mean, the, life was riding on a clean slate right? So I remember details and things. Well, my mother would always say to me, that's not how it happened. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, what I didn't know, that was causing me to doubt who I really am and what I really see. And even my decisions or what I would say, I would always hesitate because maybe I didn't know what I was talking about or maybe I didn't, I didn't see clearly or maybe it, I became indecisive because of that that foundational piece, and a lot of people suffer from that, but they don't want to deal with that because we don't want to deal with mother pain, father pain. A lot of us don't want to deal with that. The bottom line is what's spoken to us as children helps to um, form our foundation as adults and how we make decisions and how we view ourselves. And so mm-hmm. I remember my mother was saying all these things which made me doubt myself for many years, and then as I got older, um, she started changing. Well, yeah, she starts speaking the truth. And my sisters were like, oh, my God. And she had turned my sisters against me because she told them I was lying. And now she's coming back. She's gotten older and telling the truth. And the truth is what I said initially. And my sisters are like, oh, my God, you are telling the truth. And you know how it took me almost a lifetime to get to that point. But before this even happened, I had made a decision. I knew what I saw. I know what I heard. And I had to keep telling myself, I know what I know, and it's okay for me to know it, and that I had to learn to silence that voice, my mother's voice. That was a hard thing because we're taught to obey our parents. I had to silence my mother's voice in order to gain my own truth. Does that make sense? That makes sense. We're going to take a break, Dr. Gale, and we come back more on Getting Empowered. The Sun, Wheel of Fortune, High Priestess, or the Hangman. If you're one of the thousands of tarot enthusiasts out there, you know these are just a few of the major arcana in a tarot deck. Also known as cartomancy, reading a tarot, Lenormand, Kipper, and Oracle decks are as popular as they ever were and even becoming more mainstream in today's modern world. We now invite you to delve further into this ancient practice by reading our quarterly printed magazine called The Cartomancer. Filled with interviews, product reviews, in-depth articles, and art, 
The Cardamancer has something for everyone, from beginner to professional. Our subscription-only magazine can be found at thecardamancer.com. And right now, we're offering ZGR listeners a special sneak peek at one of our digital issues. Just log on to thecardamancer.com slash ZGR, all caps, and enjoy a copy today. Nourish yourself, mind, body, and soul at Southwest Florida's premier collective of therapists and healers at Escape to Paradise and Trice Massage Therapy. A sacred and nurturing spa to relax and rejuvenate your spirit. Receive a holistic healing facial, detoxifying body wrap, Reiki treatment, or choose from a variety of massage therapies to replenish, revitalize, and renew your body into total wellness. By appointment only, and located just over the bridge at 1718 Cape Coral Parkway, see their Facebook specials online today, and visit their full menu of services to book and escape at sparadise.skincaretherapy.net. Welcome back to Zeta Global Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope you're getting a sense of ways that you can find authenticity in your life, ways to find empowerment in your life. And we're not even halfway through the show. Actually, we're just a little bit into halfway. So welcome back, Dr. Gail. Thank you so much for being here today and being so open and candid and sharing your story. I think that that is so important for people that everyone can gleam a little bit from your story in themselves and off air we were talking about business relationships because we also talked about how business and personal it can't really be separated who you are is who you are so you can't say you are a certain way with your spouse or significant other and you're a different way with your business partner and business don't you think like your makeup is your makeup so wherever you are there you are so right so we need to have an established uh, uh, foundation, as you said over and over, so we can operate effectively and be successful and continue to thrive and not get caught into glass ceilings or others. So let's talk about business a little bit. Let's talk about how being in your truth helps you be successful in business. Let's just start there. Okay. Well, I, I, for me, uh, I've been doing this for a while and Here's one of the, the biggest things that I, I've learned. One of the biggest things is not to stay in a partnership that's not working. Sometimes you start to collaborate with somebody and you realize this is not feeling right. It's okay. And here's something, it's okay to speak your truth. A lot of people don't want to tell people how they really feel. If you don't nip it in the bud immediately, it's going to be bigger and harder and stronger um, and take more of your energy and time. You'll take more time recovering than you, than you will discovering. I love that. You'll take more time recovering from from the from the mistake than you will than you will in discovering your new bright future. So for me, I'll give an example. I have had several PR people come to me and they want to do with my marketing. But what happens is they 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 really should be working with a novice. And I've done so much, they get overwhelmed and don't know what to do with me. But rather than admit that, they bog me down in details. And then they try to find something negative that they can say about me to slow me down to make them look better. Um, case in point, I had somebody say, well, you know, uh, you talk too much. You need to really watch what you say. And I'm thinking, I'm a mouthpiece. That's what I do. <laughs> and, well, they said, well, you get in a group, you take over. I said, no, I don't. Um, I said, what happens is people ask a question and they stand and they wait. 
and they wait for me to say something. And this is when I realized I was in a I was in a place where I didn't belong. I was in a um, it was very local. I have what they call a gifting for the international platform. Does that make sense? Oh, I completely understand that one. <laughs> I figured you did. But, you know, when you're in a small local group, you might be too loud. Your voice is amplified to a point where it hurts people's ears. And I finally mm-hmm. realized that, and like I said, I was telling you, I've discovered some things in the last year, um, This actually in this calendar year that have helped me. And as a result of that, I realized that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So I spoke. I said, I need to be where I'm supposed to be. And I just got asked to go by a member of the United Nations to go on a world global speaking tour. Because that's where I'm supposed to be. Wow. And, you know, they're calling me last night asking me for, they said, well, whatever. I said, whatever you want to do. They said, no, Gail, don't you get it? I need your help to put this tour together. And I'm thinking, what? She said, you're going to be one of the core speakers. I'm like, what? And so this is going to go all over the United States and around the world. She's already made. So what I'm saying is sometimes you have to, it's okay to say no to business relationships that are not working when you're not, when you're not feeling um, appreciated. Here's four basic human needs. If you're not feeling appreciated, important, welcome, or safe, you're in the wrong place. I'm going to repeat those. If not, you're not feeling appreciated, important, welcome, or safe, you're in the wrong place. Because when you're flowing in authenticity and you're in the right place, those four things show up. You feel very appreciated. You feel very important. You feel welcome, that you're in a place where you are welcome and you feel safe. If those things don't show up, you're in the wrong place. And that's in your personal and business relationship. I really love that. I, I, I attribute that also to energy and vibration. If those, I mean, those are characteristics of a very high vibrational relationship. And if someone's in a relationship with you or you feel less than, then your vibration goes down and then you attract that energy around you. And you, and I think what you're saying is you want to be in those characteristics so you attract and thrive. And that's how you grow, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no, but it's also okay to say yes with conditions. I've discovered that I can say yes, but this is what I need to see happen. And you have to be very clear up front. And listen, when somebody asks you to do something, I always say to people, breathe. You're not bleeding. Let me think about it. I don't ever make an immediate decision about stuff unless I just know something just happens. Look, if they're leaving my, if money's stacked on the table, even with money, it doesn't, money's not everything. You can get bogged down in a situation where you're getting paid and you are absolutely miserable. You have to repeat that because I think that is the driving force for people and they're losing sight of their identity. Say that again. <laughs> you, it's okay for you to say yes with conditions because you can get in a situation where they're paying you very well and you're yeah. absolutely miserable and you're there because of the money. And the money is not the important thing. At the end of the day, you might as well have paid them to be there because you're so miserable and you're so worn out. By the time you get finished, you have no energy to move forward with your real dreams. The money brings you no joy, no joy whatsoever. People stay for money. You don't hear people all the time, oh, I'm not leaving any money on the table. My thing is, is that your table? Is that the right table? Mm-hmm. I had somebody. I had somebody say to me uh, very recently. They said, "Well, you know, we want you to come because of what you bring to the table, and that's the only reason we need you to be here." And you know, I told them, "I said, excuse me, but I own my own tables. It won't be necessary. 
for me to come and visit your table when I have several tables. Well, I mean, that's really interesting because, you know, when I'm hearing you say that about tables, it makes me think about the two different types of people. There are people who are leaders, like natural leaders, and there's people who, I'm not going to say followers, I'm going to say people who do really well in thriving environment where they're not necessarily leading, but they're more of a collaborator or they're more of, uh, you know, a, a support, supportive role. And I just want to say that, or ask you, it's okay to be authentic when you're clear on that. Not everyone has to be the way shower, correct? Like you could be thriving and not necessarily have to be a leader as long as you're clear. I mean, that in itself is a, is being in your power when you're clear on where you stand or what works for you. I'm a part of a, um, right now, getting ready to do a conference called the Alignment Conference. And we're talking about my whole pop, uh, facet is following. And I said, mm-hmm. people do not take that position, do not know that that is truly a position of honor. Without the followers, there are no leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, yeah. the followers are the foundational piece of every organization. So if you are a follower, that is a position of high honor because leaders cannot lead unless they have support. So I just want to make that real clear about how critical it is to have people who don't always have to be out front. There's a position of honor and value. So as long as you're clear and you're okay with that, where you want to be, look, just know this, the leaders always have to take the hits in the chest. If you're a follower, you're the one that will prop them up so they can get hit again. There. <laughs> you know what? It, that's funny, but it's so true. It's like there, I mean, God made all of us so differently. There are ones who are supposed to stand out, ones to, supposed to be loud, the ones to have um, a vocal piece, and then there's the ones who are to listen and quietly maybe disseminate that information, integrate it, and share it amongst the ones that um, that they know. I mean, it, everybody has the role, and I think that's what's very powerful and very important. Followers are honorable. That is like one of the most honorable positions that one could have because without the followers, there would be no leaders. I mean, think about, okay, you think about football. The first time they did, like when I look at football, when the uh, quarterback wins an award, the quarterback can't do it unless they got the guard blocking for him. He can't even throw the ball. He cannot do it without having it, throwing that ball, and, and the running back catches it. He can't even do it. He's out there throwing the ball up in the air by himself or getting run over. His team, the followers who follow his plays are the ones that made him. He knows that. And it's the same with every other organization. Without those support people, without those followers who are following your plays as a leader, you're dead in the water. You know, it's, it is. It's all, again, about collaboration. It's all about teamwork. And it's all about getting clear on what team you're on. I think that's what goes back to what you're saying is identity and purpose creates the strength and creates the empowerment that I think so often... Um, is being given away and obviously with the climate of politics these days a lot of that you see at play and uh, you know over the over the days where you see people on social media friending and unfriending people because their belief system is different for me I think that's sad but I also think it's good to see that environments are showing up where you have to make a choice and you are given that internal, like, you know, you're being presented with something that's saying, like, how does this sit with me? And, you know, I don't think to the point where it has to be where people aren't accepting each other. Like, it's okay to disagree, right? Isn't there power in that alone? Absolutely. It's okay to disagree. 
Because you know what? I, I don't know about a lot of people. I, get, I learn a lot from people who disagree with me. And you know what? Yeah. The first thing I do is when people disagree with me, I go back and do more research. It makes me, uh, it keeps me growing. And I might not agree with them and I might not like what they said, but as long as they're not, they're not attacking, the problem is when people attack because they disagree with you and they, and they have that negative energy, what I do is I stop them immediately. I say, wait a minute, hold up. Is this personally going to cause us to stop talking to one another because we disagree? Because I don't agree with this, but I agree with some of the things that you said, but not everything. I said, so I understand. I'm like Voltaire. I might not like what you said, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. I mean, you, you have the right to feel the way you feel. So my question to you is, do you feel the same way about me? Do you feel that I have the right to feel the way I feel? I said, and if not, we, don't, we no longer need to have a debate. That's <laughs> what I do with people. I love it. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about your speaking engagements, the rest of your books, and any other last-minute advice we can impart to our ZJR listeners. You're listening to Zeta Global Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome to the Natural Awakenings New Mexico September Yoga and Graceful Aging Issue. This month, international yogi Rodney Yee leads the way with his strategies about staying on track, plus we highlight local yoga studios who are sharing their philosophies, workshops, and classes. Our feature article is about ways of graceful aging, supported by Dr. Joan Borisenko, a pioneer in the field of integrative medicine who gives practical, healthy lifestyle advice. Mystical scholar and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey shares his passionate thoughts on what it takes to be a conscious elder. In addition, an exclusive interview with Malika Chopra about a path to intent, wisdom healing Qigong, flotation tanks, and many local news pieces and events. Pick up your free copy now. For guidance on marketing your business and a cost-effective way to reach thousands of readers, please email publisher at naturalawakeningsnnm.com or call Andrea at 505-999-1319. Have you always wanted to learn how to meditate but don't know what to do with all the thinking? Do you wish you knew how to transcend the negative voices of your perfectionism, procrastination, anxiety, and critical self-talk? Do you have a creative project in mind but don't know where or how to start or are lacking inspiration? Spiritual and creativity coach Hallie Bourne with over 25 years of experience can support you in finding more productive ways to care for your sensitive soul and your need to create. Unveil the ways your ego is sabotaging you and reorient towards your strengths to disempower your weaknesses. Turn your creativity into a spiritual path that infuses your life with meaning and fulfillment. Visit Hallie's website at HallieBorn.com or call for a consultation at 505-249-4981 and get started with your inspired life today. Spiritual Communities Network, where we honor the uniqueness in our oneness. Visit our website to meet our vast spiritual community of healers, therapists, conscious events, and activities. Visit and check out our directory, upcoming retreats, workshops, products, free videos, and much more. Many services are available globally by phone, Skype, and other sources of media. You'll also find more information on how you can be a member to promote the work you're doing in the world. Visit us now at spiritualcommunitiesnetwork.com. Welcome back to Zeta Global Radio. Thank you so much for being here today and enjoying, I'm enjoying so much, I hope you are all too, with Dr. Gail Hayes. Uh, We were talking just a little bit uh, during the station break about guilt and shame 
and so much of that comes up for a variety of reasons. But uh, go ahead and touch on what aspects of that you want to share. Oh, oh yeah, I wanted to say talk just a little bit about uh, guilt and shame. So many times people don't feel that they measure up to other people around them, and so one of two things happens: they either um, they denigrate, they they sabotage the work of others so they can bring the people to the level that they think they should be on so they can feel better, or they just kind of um, sabotage themselves and say things like, well, I don't think I can be a part of this. This is not where I'm supposed to be, or when it is a place where they're supposed to be so they can learn, so they can come up to another level. But guilt and shame and those voices from the past or voices that are currently still speaking to them um, keep them from moving forward. Voices, you know, people don't understand the power of words. There can be like building blocks or boulders. They can keep you bound and chained to a fate that is not was not really designed for you, or they can or they can elevate you and help help you to soar to another place. So people do not understand the value of who speaks into your life. I watch when people I stop people when they're when they start saying stuff I don't want to hear, even if it's talking about someone else. I stop them and I say, if it does not edify, please pass me by. If it doesn't edify, please pass me by. <laughs> God, I love it. Well, you know, when I'm listening to you speak, the word self-sabotage keeps coming up. And I, I know you mentioned guilt and shame. It's all rolled into the same um, terrible, terrible scenario. And, yes, it does go back to programming. But I think that happens a lot. I've experienced it myself quite a bit where you do self-sabotage the very thing that you want. Why, do, why does that happen? Fear. We're, we're afraid yeah. that we're, we're afraid of success, afraid of failure, afraid of just, let me tell you what, it's, it's afraid of just being free and actually yeah. stepping into something bigger than you ever imagined. I'm in that, I'm living that right now. I am living it right now. I got asked to be a, a speaker, a digital speaker at a conference, a big conference in Atlanta, okay? And I'm putting together my little digital thing. I'm so happy and so grateful that I can actually be up here on stage in a digital format, although I'm going to be in the hallway. I'm going to be a vendor. You see what I mean? Well, guess what happened? Uh-huh. I started speaking over this. I said, you know, I said, this is such a nice event. I, and I would call the um, host, host and say, listen, is there any way I can help and serve you? And she's like, Dr. Gill, I just love the way you're showing up. She says, so many people are just not honorable. And I said, well, People don't really know what that means. So sometimes it translates different on other people. I said, it's like we all painted out the same paint bucket, but it just shows up differently. So I said, well, if you need something, let me know. How about I get a call this very morning asking me, will I MC the entire weekend? Wow. Yeah. I mean, so this is the kind of stuff that's showing up because I'm ready. And I, I, I just said, you, I said, I said, you know, I said, lift me where I belong. Put me where I'm supposed to be and the platforms where I'm supposed to be. And I say that every single day. I said, I will no longer languish in the halls of mediocrity. Put me where I'm supposed to be so my voice will no longer be too loud for these people. Put me on an, uh, in, uh, an international platform where my voice is already amplified for that. So I got elevated quickly from a digital presenter to the MC all within 24 hours. I just talked to her yesterday. She called me this morning, and she said, I really need to ask you a favor. Would you emcee the entire weekend? Which means I get to get up in front of people and talk. <laughs> well, I think that's amazing. And then here you are. You're on a show that's now listened to in 50, 
five countries. So whatever you're putting out, you're aligning that to the field. And I and I actually even I say those same things that you just said, like every day, bring me the people you want me spirit to to give their message out. Bring me the people where, uh, who want to listen to this show. Expand this show because there's not a lot of platforms that can truly allow people to bring content that doesn't fit the mainstream audience yet. So uh, it, it is, it's that constant like, you know you're meant for this. Show me how, spirit. Show me God, universe, whatever, whoever you pray to, it doesn't matter. Just n- keeping in that strength of the knowing and then allowing that to unfold, right? Right. Right. That's exactly right. Are you, so you're doing that. Is there anything you can share with the audience? Do you do like workshops or online or how can people know more about the world of Dr. Gail Hayes? Because I know you have several books and we'll try to get some of those books on our store so you can find her there. But where where else can we impart a connection between our audience who want to spend more time with you? Well, they can go to my website. One of my websites is handleyourbusinessgirl.com. HandleYourBusinessGirl.com. I also have another website that we are, where I've had so many people ask me, would I be willing to train them to be a leadership coach or a book coach? Um, leadership is what I, I wrote a book called, one of my books is called The Power of a Woman Who Leads. And so they can actually find me at ThePowerOfAWomanWhoLeads.com. If they Google me, they'll find my website. But the, uh, HandleYourBusinessGirl.com is my main site, and then the power of a woman who leads.com. I'm so excited because I'm going to be offering, um, so I'm going to be offering a leadership coaching training and certification, and also book coaching and certification. I've probably written close to 50 books, and I actually help people publish because I believe that once you publish, it changes your van- your vantage point, changes your world, changes how you mm-hmm. see it, and it also changes how people see you. Because author does mean authority doesn't it? <laughs> so. Well, it's true. I mean, I've, I only got one book under my belt and it wasn't planned, but here, it, you know, my children's book, but it's a children's book on an empowerment. Like, I think what we're talking about here today is teaching the children, our future generations, from the get-go, how to be empowered and those messages to take with you all the way through. Because everything all of us grown-ups are all learning are things that we're relearning that may not have worked out so well in the beginning stages of our life. When you say that's a huge component. When I had my children in my 40s, and I was totally not, I was totally shocked when I had my children, when they told me I was, you know, pregnant the first time and the second time. But I decided to do something different with my children. I was in this, I mean, I went into the school system with my children and volunteered. I was going to either take them out and homeschool them or put them in private school. But I said, well, you know, wait a minute. Let me see. Maybe I can make a difference. Well, I went into the public schools with my children and ended up creating these programs um, for children that are still in use today and also being a parent educator. And I wrote a book called The Power of a Parent Who Leads. Well, I decided after middle school, I was looking at my, watching my children. I said, something's not quite clicking for them. And I said, and the world is changing. A college degree does not a career make like it used to. Too many companies are laying people off or doing things, and they're not, not all children are programmed that way. So I made I took a big chance. I took my, da- took my daughter out of school in eighth grade. She was being severely bullied. I pulled her out of school, and I pulled my son out in ninth grade. And I trained them. Their whole high school experience has been entrepreneurial. And it was interesting. I pulled them out. I had no clue what I was going to do. And things just showed up. 
I had a retired IBM executive come to me, and he comes to me and says, Gail, you know any children interested in technology? I said, fine. He, they, they went to Starbucks, and Starbucks became their classroom. And every time they come in, Starbucks would serve them free of charge. They kind of adopted them. And instead of them learning technology, my God, he trained them on how to analyze, and they learned how to do research papers much better than I ever did. So by the time they went to college, they were already heads and shoulders above their peers. Not only did they learn research, they learned about analysis and looking at something in a very different way, learning how to write proposals, those kind of things. So those things showed up. So my children are now both creative children, and they're both in college. My son's a digital film editor. He he edits my videos for me, and my daughter shoots them because she's a photography and fashion. So I train my children to go with me into business, and now my team has grown up. So I can do online education now because I have my team living with me. Mm, I love it. If you're in business and you're not creating legacy, then you're you're doing nothing at all. And I don't mean necessarily your children. It could be a, a um, uh, um, um, a protege. It can be another business, a, collabor- a collaborative partner. You have to help people cre- cre- duplicate yourself, create legacy. Um, if you're not doing that, you're not doing anything at all. You're just making money and living. What, what's the good in that? Unless you can see something that you've planted, like a tree that you planted grow and thrive and provide fruit. You see? So legacy is a huge part. Like, I love the fact that you wrote a children's book. Legacy is a huge part of business, of doing business the right way, I believe. Um, if you're not creating legacy, you might as well not be in business. Money's not, money's not everything. What are you going to do with the money? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to leave behind? I want people to remember my name after I'm gone. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think they certainly will, and I thank you so much for being here today and sharing just a snapshot of your wisdom and your inspiration for getting people to rethink their own lives and what they can do to empower, to lead, to follow, but most of all, to be authentic. So I thank you wholeheartedly for being here and sharing time with our Zeta Global Radio listeners and with me. So bless you, bless you for all that you do in the world. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. You honored me today, and I appreciate that. Well, we'll see, I'm sure, more of you. And again, and by the way, you said handleyourbusinessgirl.com, but you also work with men. I just want to preface that, or if you want to share on that for a second. Oh, yeah, really quickly. I do. I, I wrote a book called The Conduct of Kings, and it is starting to really take off. And you can find it at theconductofkings.com. And it's, it's mentioned on Handle Your Business Girl, so there's a link there. But I do talk to men. Um, I believe that the, the, the feminine, it also helps to enhance the masculine. So I go in and talk to men on a very regular basis, sometimes more regular than women. So I really, And I also translate the language of men for women and vice versa, helping people to understand each other. My friend said, I'm not a translator. She said, you're actually an interpreter because I can tell you what people mean. You're the man whisperer. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what people have called me that and help many women uh, sustain their relationships. Absolutely. Terrific. Well, more from you down the, down the road, no doubt. Thank you all for listening, and we wish you a, an absolutely beautiful week. Take care. Mm-hmm.